severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of Just Get a Real Job. If you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. If you are a regular listener, uh, thank you for listening again. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming back. But anyway, we have had a very, very good month at Just Get a Real Job. It's been a very, very action-packed February. We're, we're into March now. This is March. And I know spring hasn't officially started, but very nice weather today very sunny so so for anyone who is denying that global warming is a thing then just take a look at your window because scotland probably should not be this sunny and if you're not in scotland which of course a lot of our listeners aren't then ignore this is it sunny where you are is global warming clearly enough a thing where you are who knows anyway yeah so we had a very very good month in february we released eight brilliant episodes if you haven't listened to any of them yet make sure to catch up we also launched our patreon page which i'm so so happy with we'd made enough now to cover the expense of the podcast so that's really exciting and i'm really really chuffed that we have that little bit of support there makes a big difference also we hit 2000 downloads yesterday so we ended february by hitting 2000 downloads which is amazing and i also got another bit of great news last week it was a very good month for us actually anyway apparently we are number seven in our category for podcasts in Norway. So to all our listeners in Norway, thank you very much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm glad that you, you like to hear my rambles and stuff. That's, uh, yeah, that's blowing my mind, to be honest. So anyway, to everyone that supported us last month and just in general, thank you. It means a lot. And yeah, very excited to see what the future has in store. Just get a real job. Anyway, before I introduce this week's episode, I'm going to read out another bad review of a great film from history. So just for anyone who's not listened to the podcast before uh, or hasn't heard this on the podcast yet, so basically at the start of each episode I'll either read out a poem of my own, a poem of someone else's, or I will read a bad review of a great film from history. So for example, a few weeks ago I read out a bad review of Toy Story and I also have done a bad review of Shrek. And the idea of this is, right, for all the emerging artists listening and stuff, we all write things that are bad, but we also all write things that are good. And no matter how good something is, there's always going to be people that don't like it. And so it just, I think something that makes me feel better as a writer and stuff is I will read bad reviews of things I love because it's so funny to see that someone in the world hated it and it's clearly wrong and clearly an idiot, but that still amuses me. So anyway, this week I'm going to read out a bad review of The Godfather. So this user on IMDb has given it one star out of ten and they have basically said this. A bunch of Italians mumble to each other while dealing with daddy issues. I was forced to sit through this so many times by idiots extolling its virtues. I wish it was never made. I'm sick of mafia films and this dross doesn't even start at all. It's moody, it's violent and it's miserable. It's as intelligent as football and drinking. What the hell? Calm down, man. What's man wrong with football and drinking? How's that not intelligent? Jesus, this person's got a lot of issues. Uh, anyway, they go on to say, too many idiots today actually believe that the mafia are cool and interesting. I mean, have we not seen enough of them on TV? Well, clearly not. They're very popular. Uh, and then they go on to say, this film is not a pleasure to watch, nor could I be less interested in this story. This is a mediocre family squabble. Okay, so this is my least favourite genre, but at the same time, I urge anyone who hates this film to review it here and bring it down to its ranking to a reasonable 1 out of 10, because that is where it belongs. 
this world is full of thousands of morons who vote this film the best film ever. So yeah, this, uh, this user really didn't like The Godfather, which I think we can all agree is a masterpiece, and there's no doubt about it. Anyhow, remember, we all are capable of making art that's not good, but we're also all capable of making art that's great, and no one's ever all going to like it, and that's okay. But without much further ado, it is time to introduce this week's episode, and we have a real treat lined up for you this week, as I got the chance to sit down and chat with Joe O'Neill. And now Joe is honestly, as they say in Ireland where he's from, Joe has got great crack. It was honestly so fun to chat to Joe. We probably could have spoke for even longer, but uh, it was really fun chatting to Joe. And, you know, Joe has honestly been so proactive during the lockdown as a creative. He's a, he's a writer, a director, an actor, a podcaster. I'm actually, and, and I'm actually going on Joe's podcast tomorrow. His podcast is called Joe Talks, the hunt for the greatest movie ever made. And we talk about it in this episode, so you'll find more about it. But yeah, so it was honest, it was just a real, real joy chatting to Joe. And I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hi, Joe. How's it going, mate? Uh, hey, Jamie. How are you doing? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. How are you doing, more importantly? I'm I'm grand. I'm grand. That was that was only our third attempt at an intro, I think. But, you know, yeah, we, we got there in the end. I could have got a lot more, to be honest. I just really want to upset Elliot. I've never met him. I've only heard, I don't even know his second name, but I just have this distinct thing inside me just Mitchell. to upset him all the Elliot Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. Elliot Mitchell. Sounds like a bad guy for me, Sanders. <laughs> it does, actually. <laughs> well, we we had the longest chat before a, a podcast we'd recorded, so we've been talking for like 20 minutes. So, yeah, we're finally yeah. recording the episode now. I have a question for you. McKinley, yeah. that, that's a lovely man. Is that yeah, like from the... Is that This will work if you say yes. Is that from the Highlands? It is actually from the borders, I'm afraid. Oh, well, uh, like I said, then I can't continue because if that would have... If you would have said yes, then I could have... I could have just continued on with a nice story I had, but you had to. Well, you can tell us. You can tell a story about the Highlands, though. Do you know anyone from the Highlands? Can you give them a shout out? Then I can find it that way. Uh, do I know anyone from the Highlands? I'm afraid I don't actually have any. That are believe- Highlands? Are they weird people? I, I, are they yes. kind of like? Yes. No. Yeah. No. No. That, I'll tell you that. But that's that's a mean thing. It's just a very remote place, so you're more likely to be a bit weird. What's a stereotype for them? Well, in Fife, where I'm originally from, we would call people from the Highlands Chukters. Which is quite a weird phrase. The sort of stereotype is they're weird people that like maybe live on an island, have a farm, are very friendly with sheep. This is the weirdest start to a podcast ah. I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. <okay. laughs> no, because I am um, the reason I, I bring up, I was just before I, I came on today's I'm recording this somewhat early in the morning. I have a day off, so I'm just on YouTube, you know, scrolling, going through a YouTube hole. And I saw an interview with Clancy Brown, who plays one of the bad guys in Shawshank Redemption, but also the bad guy in Highlander. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. he was. Yeah, he was talking about how that film got made. It was actually fascinating. Yeah, It got written by uh, a 19-year-old. The script was written by a 19-year-old who was in a class. He's something like a UCLA or something like that in the States. And um, it was obviously given up as an assignment, but then the Purdue, in some way, through the teacher or whatever, it got to like producers. So they bought the script off, off him for like 10 grand and were like, look, <laughs> this isn't going to make yeah. any money, blah, blah, blah. If the budget goes up, you will get like residual, you'll get a, a, a more money out of it, whatever, whatever. So, like, these guys had no idea what they were doing, and they just shopped it around and sent it to all the biggest stars in the world. So, they saw Highlander, they didn't even read the script, he said, but they sent it to um, Sean Connery, yeah. just being like, have a look at this. And he and they said, Do you want to play the Highlander? Which, like, did not work at all because the Highlander was supposed to be in the 1930s, and, he, and Sean Connery was like 60 at the time or something. But he was like, No, um, but I'll play Ramirez. And they were like, Ramirez, sorry. Okay, like, Egyptian accent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, oh my God, we've got Sean Connery. Like, how do we get Sean Connery? So the, the budget went up. And then they were like, oh, we'll go, who do we go for? We want to get someone European. So actually, Christoph Lambert, who played the part of the Highlander, mm-hmm. 
was like a huge up and coming star. Like he won the Cesar Award, so they got him. And they were like, the budget went up again. And then um, they tried to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to play the bad guy because he had just done Terminator. And he was like, no, I'm not interested. Uh, I want to play good guys from now on. So then they, they through the director who got no money for it as well, he's this Australian guy, the music videos. He, Clancy Brown, knew him. So he brought him on. And then the budget went up again. And then they ended up making a huge, obviously, three sequels. So the, the writer who's 19 years old and sold the script for like, I think at most 10 grand, end up like basically overnight from doing nothing afterwards, end up making millions. Yeah. Absolute millions at like 21 or something like that. <laughs> I just want to say, I hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're interested in Highlander, um, Jonathan Melville, who we had on the podcast in episode seven, is a friend of mine from my screenwriting masters. He's an author. He's written a book on Highlander. The original, it's called oh. A Kind of Magic, and he like he's, he's doing really well. He got to interview like Brian May and stuff, and it's a really interesting book actually. So for the listeners, Joe, you are you, you well, you've done a lot of things. So we've got plenty to ask you about today. But uh, are you like a a writer? You're a director because you directed short films. You're also an actor as well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and, I, and, and a podcaster. I should add. And a podcaster, yeah. I guess <laughs> maybe in that order. I guess. No, I started off acting, and um, I still see myself as an actor, except maybe a writer first. I did my very first show. I, I always had in my like inside of me that I wanted to mm. perform in some way. I couldn't figure out what way. I always thought I'd want to be an actor. I, I always did when I was in school. When I was everything but I didn't I guess I'm too shy and too insecure to actually and my school my hometown doesn't have the greatest reputation with performers and that's kind of an, if you're in Dublin or if you're in Galway or if you're in Cork if you're in like a city if you're in the arts it's like it's amazing well not amazing but like there's a lot more opportunities obviously yeah. but outside of that it's everywhere down the country it's just you have to be sporty and like don't get me wrong I'm huge in sports I love getting football rugby I hate rugby players and, um, and I love football as well so like i'm hugely into it but like if you're into the arts there's absolutely nothing for you but in yeah. my school there was a musical every year i don't know how long it, it stopped now because it's, it's insane but like in fairness to them the whole school was shut down for a month to build the stage for the musical and whatever it's on fourth years i don't know if it's the same over in england but fourth year in ireland is like a dossier where you kind of it's more about self-discovery and like trying out different things and, stuff like that. and i don't mean like trying drugs but like you can if you want but like trying different subjects and stuff that aren't on the regular curriculum. So like they're made to like build the set and all like that sort of stuff and uh, basically save labor and like woodwork class. It's just about building sets and stuff like that. So it's very, very oh, cool. cool for that month, which is really cool for, for that month. And I've always said I want to do one. I remember South Pacific was on when I was like 14 or 15 and I went to the very first rehearsals and I was like, I can't do this. I'm too scared. So I, I left and I, I didn't go back. And then, um, I remember saying, I was in business class. And they were like, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to be an actor. And she was like, do you do any acting class? I was like, no. Do you do uh, any acting really play? I was like, no. I was like, well, you're not going to be an actor. And I was like, oh, shit, you're probably right. So then the musical came up, and it was Greece, And I auditioned. And um, I said, fucking have to do it. It was in fifth year. It was my last chance I could do it. Because six years, the final year, it's uh, leaving. So you can do something which not really supposed to. And um, I got the part of Kanicki. Couldn't sing uh, at all. Uh, I just shouted whatever, through my enthusiasm or whatever, they, they gave me the part and uh, it was great. And my nanny got to see me. I don't think she got to see me before she passed away. And uh, she she said she, she was very proud of me and it was, it was really good. And that year I was brought over, there's a lot of musical societies in, in Ireland and uh, Newbridge is uh, down the road and it's a really big one in, in amateur musical societies in, in the country that always gets nominated for the big awards. The AIMS, which is the Association of Irish Musical Societies, they always get nominated for uh, loads of stuff. So I went over there and they were doing singing rain. I was just like a couple of small parts and I helped out with that. And then I 
the following the following year I didn't do anything because of the leaving and then the year after that I got accepted to Bulali Theatre Training Company yeah which in, we'll, which we'll, we'll, we'll come on to because I've got yeah. a few questions to ask about that mind back slightly you answered our first question without me asking it perfectly so thank you for that <laughs> you're um, welcome I haven't listened to the show before oh yeah it's fine. You're, you're natural <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a natural podcaster as well, Joe. Yeah. I'll stop you. You know the rules, you know. Um, well, just started to touch more. We kind of touched on it there anyway. But like, how is where you're from? How has that influenced you creatively? And like, being first of all, being Irish, but also more specifically, where you're from. And you're the first Irish person done on the podcast, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Representing the country here. Yeah, my hometown is kind of it's pretty grey. It's like I might be a bit too Irish. I feel the same yeah. about mine, so I can relate to it. I know how yeah. difficult it is to put into words something. You don't insult where you're from, but you can, you also don't want, you know what I mean? You're trying yeah, it, it's very frustrating because it's a big town it's in, for the size of Ireland. Like I think it's like 25,000 people in the around. So there has no excuse for having no art life whatsoever. Like, I always get frustrated because the pubs have rarely there's any live music. I love, I, I love, a pub could be like in the back arse of Nairobi and I would go there to, to listen to live music and have it on. You know, I love that sort of, and I think it lifts the mood. There's no real live music because people, I guess people don't spend. Like the, the theatre here is shithole. Um, it's not actually shithole. It's like really nice and really well put together. The people who run it are idiots. Yeah. Who, it's, it's run, it's bizarre. It was donated to the people of Nace. I think when the person who owned the theatre died like 40 years ago. But the people of Nace, it's like basically the, the amateur dramatic society that's in there. They're the people who run it, and they don't. They charge way too much. So they put on whatever show they want, obviously, and they, they make everyone else feel imposed if they're coming in. And it's really all about them, and it's awful. It's terribly run. And I hope they're listening because I tell them, I <laughs> like they're arseholes. So like that's put a drain already in it. Just one theater, if not run properly. Like in the school, like I'm saying, like it's all about sports in schools and like that. Like all the teachers as well are obsessed with sports. You rarely get one that are like. Let's do something creative. It's like one or two out of the however many teachers there were. I think it's kind of slightly changing now, but still not enough because for me, big in the sport, like I said a few times, but arts are far more important. Than that. I think it's more important yeah. to get people thinking and get people stronger. And I think they're the people, people who are into the arts generally need it most. They need a community where they feel safe and they feel like they can express themselves because you can do whatever you want on, on a sporting pitch, but like it's a lot more difficult to try express something through whatever pain you're feeling. And if they don't have an outlet for that in schools or even in, in the community, then it's going to lead to a lot more issues which aren't being touched around properly. So how it, how it affects me is that it just leads me to wanting to work constantly. And the worst thing is I, I've been living here now. I lived in Dublin for a couple of years, but I had to come home and then um, I got a job in Nice Hospital. So I live at home, which is it's given me the opportunity to do everything I want to do, but very kind of caged in, if that makes mm. sense. Because I have to do it in Nice, I have to do it. So everything has to kind of be online or everything has to be a bit more of a struggle, but I have to do it to have to pay the bills, you know? Exactly. And I think a lot of our listeners can very much relate to that, uh, having to work and pay the bills and do art on the side. And and it's great that you're still doing the art stuff, Joe, as well. Like that, it's great that you're, I mean, as we're, we've got loads to talk about, as I say, I mean, because you've been very busy in lockdown. It's it's amazing, actually. I think you're uh, one of the most proactive people I've ever spoke to in lockdown from what I've read. <laughs> It's literally, the thing is, it's I've no other way to be because I remember when I brought my first play, I'll talk about this in a bit, I'm sure, but um, I applied for a job and it was true. My neighbour across the road, uh, who we were extremely close to, her sister, who is like high up in hospital or whatever, she basically got me this job. I have no interest in the job whatsoever. But I was, she just said, my mom was like, go for the interview if you get it, whatever, if you don't, whatever. And I was like, I'm not going to, I, I was on the doll. I was like, 
I make it. I'm doing my own thing and stuff like that. But like, yeah. I don't. I don't want to get the job. And then I got the, a letter. And I handed it to them. I was like, I went off, and I was like, Oh, it's just a letter saying I didn't get it because I, I tried to tank the interview. And uh, they told me I got the job, and I was so fucking mad because <laughs> if I'd actually, if I'd read that letter, I would have thrown it away. Yeah. Do you know I would I wouldn't have handed up for the fact that it was so I, I went and as soon as it was like sometime I think it was like the twelfth of December or something like that, twenty fourteen. And uh, as soon as I got the letter, I'd written a play, Goodbye to Mary. And uh, as soon as I got that, I sent out emails and booked a venue. Because I was like, I put it off because I had no idea how to put a play on. I was always kind of scared of it, but said if I'm doing this job, I I'm making it work for me. So yeah. I booked the play. And then ever since then I have just Every single thing I do is to try and get out of the situation I'm in. Yeah. Uh, it's trying to get out of the job. And that's why when I had so much stuff lined up for last year, that got cancelled. And because of that, I had to make sure to, as long as at least 10% of my day is related to doing something creative, it helps me to get through the 90% of the day. That's brilliant. And inspiring for people as well. <laughs> and it's some, I mean, I try and like, I think 10% is a very good target to do to be creative so yeah i mean that's good well i'm quite excited for this for this question joe like because I, I fucking love ireland but i honestly was just talking to my, one of my flatmates about this because i knew i was talking to you today right we the last four books i've read right i've been by irish authors i watched the commitments recently as well i love that i just like love for, we, i've been to dublin twice i've been to lovely um i really enjoyed it and i just feel like there's so much good culture in ireland because uh, i just read roddy doyle's new book love which i love um nisha Do- I really liked her book. Mm. Sally Rooney obviously has like now become like a global sensation. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm just now going on about Ireland, but my... <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Yeah, I do the same. I Do you want to know something interesting? You know the playwright and the watch? Uh, no, I don't actually. Ah, oh, what did he write? I actually can't think of anything he read off the top of my head. But he is like he works with Killian Murphy the whole time. Okay. Um, a lot of places like that. Um, he's like one of the probably the best playwrights in Ireland at the moment. It depends who you talk to. But he was in Roddy Doyle was an English teacher. And his very first class, one of his first students, it was Ender Walsh, huh. which is funny. And it would have been, and there's people at home going, oh my God, that's crazy. Jamie's just like, okay. <laughs> Ender yeah. Walsh, okay. <laughs> ignorant, ignorant Scott over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and uh, speaking of the commitments as well, actually. Um, I'll look uh, up, though. Yeah, oh, please do. You'll love, you love Ender Walsh, trust me. Yeah, yeah but. Rebecca Riddle, who you had on a couple of Yeah, weeks ago. Episode, episode 10, yeah. Yeah, she literally messaged me last night. She was like, look at I'm listening to. And uh, she was listening to Commitments. I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> is, Roddy Doyle was a great offer. I mean, because Blind Boy has been great for me as well. Like, I love his oh, podcast. I love his podcast. Yeah. And he's like, re- I'm learning so much about Ireland. Like, he did an episode on Guinness last week. And I'm like, I really want to go to the pub. <laughs> I love yeah. Guinness. I love Guinness. If you, if you listen to the episode with Blind Boy and Colin McGorman, it's like from years ago, uh, eight, well, 18 months ago or something. Because I, I remember the same day, Liverpool went 1 0 down through Shane <laughs> to Southampton, but ended up winning again 2 1. I think, I think it was the year City won the league, though, I think. Mm. But if you listen to that podcast, at the very end, you can hear my voice because I asked three questions when I was on the Really? One. I'm going to yeah, go and do that. I'm going to yeah. go and do that. Because he recorded it in, in, in my home. Clip it and put it on this. Um, I will. He, yeah, inter, inter, interlude will be that, Elliot. You heard it here first. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. he asked, um, I got to ask, I did like a nice thing because I didn't know. Look up Colin McGorman, an uh, incredible human being as well. He was someone who was abused by um, priests and uh, and tr- attempted to sue the, sue the Pope. He's some man. And the, the interview was actually fascinating, the whole thing. But at the end, Said, anyone have any questions? So I said, nice little thing. And then I asked three questions. And I was, I mean, I was only supposed to ask one, but I just had, what did I go? Like, sure, he enjoyed it. I did, no, I did. I, and I got a nice little round of applause. 
Amazing. <laughs> uh, blind boy, where is Mr. Crumb? Where is Mr. Crumb? Yeah, Mr. that's Crumb. not my question, because right, everyone's okay. thinking it. Go on, Do you want me to answer? Yeah, no, I want you to answer, just so. He's, uh, he's still around. It's just, uh, on Twitter today, right, I shared the, you know, our song Dad's Best Friend was in the train spotting film, yeah? So today on Twitter, I sh I, I, we basically got the royalties for being on Train Spotting 2, for our video being in Train Spotting 2, and our song being on the soundtrack. We got the royalties for that today, the, ro the royalty check, right? For a year. So get, guess how much that both of us earned for having our song and video in Train Spotting 2, the massive Hollywood film? I saw it on Twitter. Th 36 euros. <laughs> Well, my yeah. question was after, because we've got a sidetrack on Ireland, which is, I'm totally fine with. Yeah. Was, do you have a favourite word or phrase from where you're from? Oh, oh my God, I, I meant to prepare this. I, <laughs> but I, it has to be the crack. I don't know, do you have the crack Yeah, good crack, yeah. Yeah, yeah good crack, yeah. It's my favourite because it's so Love easily it. misinterpreted. And I'm hoping at some point I can bring that word. If, I'm, if I ever get to a level of fame, which I'll probably hate her on one of those Jimmy Kimmel shows or something like that, I would definitely say crack the whole time and make it change the tone of that in America. <laughs> I love, I love that. It's just, it's just it's such crack. a good phrase, isn't it? Like, yeah. And we, yeah. Do, we do say it here, but it's definitely like Irish. Like, I think it's come from mm. your culture, definitely. But yeah, yeah. I love that Even word, bastards. like good crack. Yeah, we are fucking Scottish. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, because I have a catchphrase. I was only thinking, whenever I, it's so stupid, like the other way people say, uh, what's the crack? Or the other one is, so say to me, any crack? Any crack. No, not me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I get to laugh every time. And I'm just like, all right, I'm all out. And I'm just like, that's kind of my, ooh, that's my go-to. Do you know what I mean? I'm quite witty. Yeah. Oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know. <laughs> well, we'll now go on to uh, your time at the Bull... Is it Bull Alley you went Bull to? Bull Alley, yeah. Bull yeah. Alley. Like an so, alley full of bulls. Yeah. So in 2010, you go to the Dublin training company, Bull Alley. So yeah. tell us about that. Yeah, I um, like I said, I wanted to do acting. and I didn't know anything. And no one could help me of where to apply to schools. And I, I have been sub, sub, supplicant, sub, Subsequent, what's the word I'm trying to say? Years afterwards, what's that word? Tell me that word. I can't. Substitute. Or, uh, fucking, I can't. Yeah, you don't know what I'm trying to say. When when, when years go by, yeah, someone like screaming you. at the yeah, sub, <laughs> sub, subsequent, subsequent, subsequent. Yes, yeah. got it. Fucking hell! Look, it's too early for us both. Gonna, yeah, look, we're both Celts. Okay, English isn't our first language. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's what we're sticking to. I'll stick to that. <laughs> yeah. in, in, in that word, years, I I, I did, I did a, figure out how to audition for schools and put that, but I mentioned that too. But I, it took a place I really knew about. There was the Gage School of Acting as well, but I didn't really get that. And it took like, I, I did a couple of other courses before I got into it um, in the same college, actually. And I was like, no, I need to do this. And it was always my, my drive to do this. And the other courses I went for like a couple of months and then gave up and I couldn't do them. And then I found this place and I was like, yes. And I gave everything. I remember um, when I got accepted, I actually, I was so mad. I, my audition piece was, you had to come in and do like a full day workshop. And it was, it was yeah. pretty remedial. Like they kind of let everyone in, if I'm being honest. And there was a whole heap of people. And my audition monologue, I prepared two. By prepare, I didn't even learn them. I just had them written down in sheets. Um, uh, one was from Lord Byron. I can't even remember the play. I just picked it out because it was fancy sounding. His name was like Lord. I don't even think, what's his first name? I think his first name was Lord. I looked it up since and like he was very interested in that. And then the other monologue was from Dave, the film with Kevin Klein. And it was a crap monologue. 
I think I read it. I can't remember. I think I did a crap American accent. Somehow got in, uh, but not so much. Like I said, it was everyone else in. Someone else on the same day auditioned by doing a monologue from fucking Finding Nemo. <laughs> you know, like it wasn't difficult. It wasn't really wasn't difficult. We had to sing and dancing, a bit of acting, a bit of improv, all sort of shit. Wasn't anything difficult. We got in, and I was so fucking psyched to get in. I remember I did. Um, I wanted to get fitter. I wanted because I knew I'm dancing is my I'm six foot three. I'm quite a good mover, but not in a way when people tell me to move that way. So in in slang, I can't dance. Do you know? So I did these dance classes with these forty year old women. I think it was like I think it was like, like effectively Zoom just to get myself in kind of like yeah I can I can move because I was a good dancer when I was a kid. I remember I won a dance competition. Like I pulled on stage in like this family camp that we all went to <laughs> and danced and I won a good award. And I was like oh, oh no, wow you're deadly yeah I'm, I'm deadly. I was pulled out of the crowd because I remember I was doing this. I was like please don't. I was saying, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. But they were like, oh my God, he wants to be picked. So they, they put It always over. happens. If you try, yeah. it's, like, it's like in school, if they say like, we need somebody to read something and you look away, they always pick you. If you look up, they're like you. Yeah, bullying bastards. But I, but I won. I, did, I, remember, I did a lot of spoons. I remember that. I was like, did a lot of, you know, and I, and I won. I was like, oh, I'm a good dancer. And maybe that's why I like act, uh, performing there as well. I don't know. It's all the rich tapestry here. Yeah, so I went there and uh, we, the whole heap was in there and they were like, I remember I, my, one of the first directors was like, most of you won't last here. I have you would fuck off and be hairdressers. Because they're like the sec- second biggest course in the place was, ch- oh, childcare and hairdressing were the second, <laughs> were the two biggest ones. So. Yeah. But we came in, it was like really exciting, really cool, lots of energy and um, just artistic minds being brought together. Like not, all of them, but some of them were. It's, it's such a big thing to have like-minded people for the first time in your life, isn't it? When you're yeah. like, yeah, it's really nice. It's just just a heap of insecurity. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, and we went from having like, it started off like 70 and then like always within like quick space of time, people drop out, drop out, drop out. So like after three years, went from 70, I think we had like 15 finished with. And out of them, I think there's maybe five of us that are still active and that, that's maybe five they're yeah. still active but like it began with the first year was a Greek tragedy or Roman tra- it's a Greek play or Roman play that like or they could be modern but on the themes of, of those plays and then the second play is a medieval play which was Thomas Woodstock and I played Thomas Woodstock which was I can't remember who oh it's by Anonymous I don't know if you ever heard of him good guy uh, <laughs> and I was like a complete farce and it was the first time I ever had to learn like properly learn dialogue and I made a hands of it I was like, I really took on too much. I was getting anxiety and I was on Xanax. And I was like, I can't fucking do this. But I managed to get through it eventually. And then the musical every year of, because there's four years at one time and they bring together the mod for, for the musical. And the first year was company. And I was an understudy, but then the guy who was understudy and dropped out. I was actually, I got the nickname of the plague because every single time someone was missing from rehearsal, I was like, I can do that part. And I'd come in and I kept on getting more and more roles every single time from doing that. So that, and I didn't like poison your man or anything. He dropped out because he wanted to play Jesus and Jesus yeah, in amateur sure, person. Yeah, yeah. Like he wanted to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wanted to play Jesus in amateur version of Jesus Christ Superstar. I was like, why? It's like, like he could probably play that again next year with a different. It's so many musical societies. It's like, no, but it's just an ego. So he dropped out. I played Paul and Company, which is crazy because it got me around to being more comfortable with singing. In the following year, we did we did Shakespeare and we did, which was Henry IV, part one, and that was our second play. Oh, we did uh, Restoration, which I'm not a big fan of Restoration. Um, just, it's just Panto. I don't really like Panto either. And then we did Titanic, the musical, and I played one of the leads in that. 
which was great. And then in the final year, it's not supposed to be the final year, but it pretty much is. It's just all modern plays. We did three modern plays. And then the musical was Evita. I was understudy for McGalley, and I basically gassed actually. The arse fell out with the college, and they had no money oh. in the course and all like that, um, which wasn't ideal. So they had to like cut back wherever they could. And every year during the musical, they brought in a guy, David Ray, who's this phenomenal piano player, but or controls the orchestra and all like that. And it's terrific and goes through scenes. It's amazing, amazing singing teacher as well. But he couldn't come in as much as he was supposed to. And RMD that was in the college is crap, was crap, silly as crap. Um, can't play piano, plays with one finger, like really bad vocal coach, terrible vocal coach. And um, he, and they also bully as well. And uh, possibly, a, I don't want to go into too much details, but just don't go to that college. Like, well, no, I say do and don't. If he, he left, it'd be great. But they couldn't get scores. They couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. So I actually went online and got backing tracks. Oh, wow. um, and changed the keys and I got to fit everything. And I got scores through going through all my legal channels. And, and brought them in and like I basically did I basically scored it like and uh, I think I was put in the program as research assistant or something like <laughs> I, I don't even know what I was put down as I didn't, but I wasn't asked I just did it off my own back because they were in trouble and, and I got a big thanks at the end I thought that was just really nice and I was effect- effectively sold if I didn't do this the show wouldn't happen mm. um, because they didn't have the rights to the show we had to promote it as being um, a musical base on the life of Ava Peron but it was a great show and the, the point Lucia Byrne uh, People might know she's a very good friend of mine. She came second on The Voice of the UK. Oh, really? She, yeah, she played Evita and she has since gone on to play Evita. In that show, she played Evita on the tour, on a UK tour. Oh, wow. Since, and she's done loads and loads of stuff. She's, um, she's released albums and everything. And she was an absolute wonder, one of my heroes, and uh, is someone that everyone should look out for because, well, it, I'm sure loads of people know her already, but she is, she's like one of her vo- I've always described her voice it's like the weather. It's just mm. like, it's just perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, and then left Bolali and throughout that time, I auditioned for Rada three times, Drama Centre twice, Lambda three times, The Lear, which is the National Irish, five times, and got nowhere. Got nowhere. I got um, I got the drama, the final, I got waitlisted for Drama Centre the two times I went for it. Manchester as well, I got waitlisted there. Never got anywhere with the other places, which was honestly one of the most devastating things. More so with the Lear, because all of my mates, we all auditioned together. Most of them got in, whether it was the first year or second year. I was the only one who kind of repeatedly didn't get in. But like what I've discovered is where pain, where tragedy kind of breeds art. So like through that, it kind of drives me to to keep to creating and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, well, that's actually great that you how open you've been about that, and I appreciate it. It's good for the listeners to hear things like that. But mm. it credit to you for you know still getting up and creating, and as you say, like you learn from stuff, and like maybe it wasn't meant to be because yeah, some of the I mean, as we're gonna we're gonna come to your shorts, but you'd made some really good shorts. It's clearly not because you're not a talented person. It's just maybe just luck, and I don't know. Some yeah. things aren't meant to be. I guess I I would say I don't agree with the idea of luck. I don't think I think luck is. I've had so many arguments with people about okay. this. And, and when people are kind of saying, oh, you're just looking at to get in. And this isn't me having a go with those people said it or, or yourself either. But I think luck is the 5% after you do the 95% of the work. Yeah, so you I, put in I all the work. True. Yeah. yeah, I think you put in all the work and then luck is just the person being in the right mood seeing you when, when you're going into, yeah. uh, into a casting agent or, you know, you send an email at the exact right time. Do you know? But like, if you don't do all the work leading up to that, it doesn't make a difference. I think luck is is fine, but should, 
be nothing you rely on. Yeah, no, I think that's very true. A point well made as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely true. Well, when you leave your training stuff, you'd, re- you'd written two plays, mm-hmm. Bright Eyes and Goodbye to Mar- Is it Mar- Mari or Marie? Mari. 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 Yeah. Just check yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, no, thanks, thanks for checking them. Yeah, <laughs> I've, I've family who are, who are like, hello to play, hello to Maria. I'm just like, that's <laughs> just not it, you know, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I had written Goodbye to Mario just about had it written. When I left Polali, I had a cast anyway. I was like, I'm going to write this for you and I'm going to do it, blah, blah, blah. But I never, never actually thought I was going to put it on because I didn't know how that happened. And then um, just through when I, like I say, when I got the job earlier on, um, I just went putting it on. So I contacted the Civic and Tala. Which is where I did all my plays at Bulali. It's a lovely. It's called the Loose End. I think it's just called the Civic Theatre now, because it's the Civic Theatre is like a big stage and a smaller stage upstairs. But I think it used to be called the Loose End. It's called something else now. But they gave me a good deal because I was a past student. Bulali and I like that, and I was like, "Fuck it, we're doing it. Absolutely, we're doing it." And then I had I went auditioning for directors. Um, I had one. I sacked him on the first rehearsal because he was bizarrely terrible. And then I had an AD who never be a raw. He's doing wonderful work now as well. And then the two of us directed and I was also in it. So I took on a lot. And um, mm-hmm. well, we did it in Civic for a week and Smock Alley in Dublin for a week. Of course we did. We did it a couple of times around the country. We did it across in Westport as well. I don't think we brought, no, we didn't bring that one abroad. And uh, got really positive reviews. But I'm kind of, when that, when something's done, it's done with me. If mm-hmm. no one comes and goes see it, it's like, let's put this on. I'm just kind of like, yeah, well, do my next thing. So after that, I was kind of working. I was like, what they I do? And I kind of realized the thing I was missing most from not going to these big colleges was that networking was the huge thing. Yeah. And that was uh, like, because I, I feel like these colleges can only bring out what's already in you. I think you can get as much out of a three-year course as you can get from doing a, a number of workshops, you know, and doing your own productions and learning on the go. And that's not just revisionist history because uh, I didn't get into that either. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think, no, I uh, think that is true, though. I think that I've learned a lot at both my degrees, like especially the screening course, I learned a lot. But the best things I got out of them were like-minded people and being around yeah. like-minded people. So yeah. Yeah, so what I said I do was because I remember a mate of mine actually he's creator and theater maker as well not as much anymore which is a shame but he's we met up for lunch one day and he was like what's the point in spending five grand on a degree when you can just buy them lunch you know whether it's a, a cat uh, to meet these casting agents when you can just go see or like directors where you can just go see their plays or their films or whatever and then buy them lunch and contact them asking me to buy them lunch and might cost you 100 euro but you're after getting a meeting with them ideally but just know your shit so i was like that's a good point and i was like i need to meet more people especially people my age that are coming from whether it be from the lear whether it be from dit whether it be from uh, these are other courses from dublin just to get to know them you know and get to know their work mm. so i set up a thing called i didn't have a name for it at the time but i was like i want to meet new writers i want to meet new directors and it was i want to meet new actors and there was kind of two problems one to meet them but it was also another one to build up my own audience of yeah. people coming to see my my shows wherever on so I started and it was just basically I'm looking for new writers. I'm going to pair those new writers with directors that they haven't worked with before and actors that they haven't worked with before. So it's creating new working relationships and new art and all that sort of stuff. And it's called the New Irish Playbook. Yeah. And it was great to do. It was a lot of work. And um, I did that in the Sean O'Casey Theatre, which is in East Wall in Dublin, which is a beautiful venue. It's just a bit out of the way. Got a really good review. Actually, I remember a really good time. I actually remember, not to go back to football again, but I remember the Thursday night when we did, the first time we did it, my neighbours from across the road came to see it. And uh, uh, the dad is a huge football fan, but like he's actually Arsenal, but he hates Liverpool as well. But like I brought I was, it was like in between one show to another and uh, I brought up my phone and Liverpool had just lost to Sevilla 3-1 in the Europa League <laughs> final. So we, we had a little, little cheer to that during, during the show. 
And then, so I, I kind of thought, and I was just, basically, I didn't know, again, I didn't know you have time to produce. I don't like producing. I just have to do it with my own stuff. I've let a lot of people down when people have hired, not hired me, but brought me on with like, oh, we'll give you a cut in the door or whatever to produce because um, I don't like it. I don't, unless it's for my own thing. It's like my own farts. I like my own. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> I set up that to just meet people that went really well. Then the second year I did it was the following year in Smock Alley and that sold out for a whole week. Had really good people come to see it, like uh, directors and stuff like that, which kind of was like, yes, this is a good kind of moving forward. And I was actually, I didn't mean to be, I didn't want to be in it, but uh, I wrote a piece called 20 Minutes Waiting for, it was for my girlfriend at the time and for someone else that I was going to bring in. And I was going to, I was directing it. So I auditioned, I got a really good guy, Sean, his name, and uh, Sean Boston Crawford, terrific. He's actually in the first episode of my podcast, a wonderful actor. He came in, we did the piece, and I that, and uh, rehearsed it. And then on the day, he basically injured his back and he couldn't go on. So yeah. I, I had to take his place. Did you push him over? Because this is becoming I'm, a theme, is it? <laughs> I, I'm just, okay, I'm starting to realise this playing thing is, is gone a bit further than I expected to. But yes, uh, I guess it, there is a, very much a possibility that that happened. Uh, but I, I had to go on and I had a really wonderful time doing it. And like, that's what I mean, I love performing so much and um, I have really great reviews and really positive feedback from people that were there. And then after that, I kind of wanted to build again. I wanted to keep going again. And I was like, I'm going to bring the new Irish it's like, well, I'm going to go to London I want to bring like from Ireland obviously I'm going to bring stuff over to London so I contacted the theatre told them what my plan was and they were like it's the Etcetera Theatre in London in Camden and they've become great friends of mine and oh Emily brilliant Keeble. yeah Emily Keeble she is the, she runs the place now and she's an absolute gem of a human being one of the best people I've ever met one of the most talented people I've ever met so if anyone's in Camden in looking for people to work with go to her in the Etcetera because they're phenomenal and um, so I contacted them and I was like look want to bring this over it wasn't her running it at the time it was another guy who was like let's how do we work let's make a deal or whatever and um i think yeah, it was supposed to be 90 minutes i think i had a book for or whatever and then i had a fallen out with the very first piece that was going on i had fallen out with one of the actors she's i i made it i'm straight away when i said i'm planning on doing this i was like look we're gonna have to pay for our own flights pay for our own accommodation but whatever is made on the door if any money is made whatsoever i will split it amongst all of us Okay. I'm just really sorry. It just I can't afford to do it in either way. There's no like nobody. And she was like, absolutely, that's no problem. I have family over there anyway, so I can stay with them. That's okay. I was like, that's no problem. Then you just pay for flights. And flights are about 40 euro for return. Joe, and you know, bit on top, whatever. Like you're it's only gonna be for three days. You're gonna make you like you're not gonna spend that much. And then I a couple of like two weeks later, I got Ryanair had these flights for like cheap. And I was like, I sent it around to everyone, oh make sure to book. And she was like, Why would I have to book flights? Are you not paying for it? And I was like, No. And she was like, oh, um, I don't know. I need to think, uh, I can't be able to go over papers. I was like, I literally told you, like, I don't remember that. I was like, I told every, I told, it was literally the first thing I told everyone, okay? And you told me that she'd stay with family. I was like, no, I didn't say that. And then she was like, I need to think about this. And I was like, no, don't think about it. Give me an answer right now, what are you doing? And she was like, uh, I'm not going. I was like, fine. So that made me change everything because when the actress is gone, I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to do all my own pieces because I had planned on doing a couple of pieces that I wrote myself from the year previous playbook and that one, and then like a brother from the mates. But then when that dropped out, I was like, look, I'm just going to do my own pieces. So anyone that was an actor that was involved, that their piece was taken, I wrote a piece for them. So it was an hour long. It was still called the New Irish Playbook because I thought I would never do the New Irish it's Playbook. A good, it's a good or, name. It is a good name. And all credits to Kieran McDonald for, for that name. I couldn't think of a name and he rang me up and said the New Irish Playbook. And I was like, that's perfect. 
And we did it for three nights, sold out, great reviews. And uh, we did it again then, was that the same? I think it was here after, actually. We did it in Manchester in the 1532 Theatre and then in the etc. as part of the Manchester Fringe, very Manchester Fringe. And then again, had a bit of an issue with them, but they're closed down now, so ha uh, And then the etc. Theatre again for the Camden Fringe in the same year, over a couple of months. We did like a night in Tewkesbury. And if you know your English history, there's the battle in Tewkesbury. Um, that's how you might know the place and it's flooded the whole time so we did it there and when that was done I was like I had went to New York for a couple of weeks to stay with my uncle just because I just wanted to get out there and see what I could do when I was over there my auntie passed away I got a phone call off my, uh-huh. my sister out of nowhere and I had written Bright Eyes I'd written the first like 20 pages as I was going to the Euros to see Ireland play Sweden what, what, are the, what are the Euros? Well, we are actually going now, so it's finally happening. Yeah, yeah. well, if, if they happen. Um... I know, that would, be, that would be the most Scottish thing ever. We finally Genuinely would be the Euros and then they get cancelled. Yeah, like, and there's, there's every possibility that could happen. And I will be smart. We've met lovely Scottish people over there. I will 100% be supporting Scots uh, if it happens. But yeah, well, we went over <laughs> And Jamie, promise me, if, if there are fans everything loud happen, go to it. It's the be- one of the best experiences of my life. Yeah. go to it it's absolutely amazing but I was going over I had to get oh so annoying on the day I was supposed to be flying I realised that my timeline is all over the place now I think I've gone to 2017 back to 2016 yeah I'm looking at my notes Joe and I'm like what the fuck where is it <laughs> it's fine you know what we we do the same sort of form every week it's good to change up sometimes yeah you're welcome sir but um, <laughs> in 2016 I was supposed to be flying to it was actually cheaper to fly from Dublin to London to then fly to Paris and it was to fly directly to Paris because Ryanair. And I was booked to fly over and I was like, great, grand, uh, everything was arranged. And then the morning I was flying to London to fly to Paris, my plane got cancelled from London to Paris because of the strike. So I had to get a nine hour bus journey through the tunnel, channel tunnel. And I was like, I'm going to back up in the right plane. So I started, and then the main character in Bride is called Victoria because it started at Victoria Station. I wrote like the first 20-ish pages because I had an idea where it was ending. I had an idea at the beginning, but I didn't really know who I wanted everyone to be yet. And then um, I left us, just wrote 20 or 30 pages and I left. And then uh, my Andy Lorraine passed away. I just took my laptop back out and I finished it that night because I knew exactly what I wanted to, what I wanted to say. And obviously it got edited a bit more since then. And then we, we put that on in Smock Alley for two weeks in last 2019, August 2019. That was kind of a rough month for me. I, a week before I was on stage, I was playing the lead role. I had, I had a director who I didn't get on with. Uh, I swear to God, I'm not the problem here, okay? Um, <laughs> yeah. And I was in hospital. I ended up going to hospital. I got arrhythmia in my heart. I was in hospital for, it could have been a, a couple of weeks, but it ended up just being four days. I was on heavy medication. And then I was going through an awful breakup as well. And um, I did the show for two weeks. Didn't tell anyone. Just, just did it. Just, just kind of go on yeah, with it. Yeah. Just got on with it. And uh, it was kind of annoying. I knew I'd lose money. I got really wonderful response from people that went to see it. But for whatever reason, there, I got no reviews. I got no professional reviews, which is the only, the only reason I did it for two weeks was to get reviews. But in the same way, like I always hold on to whenever there's a negative thing that happens, you learn more. And I wouldn't even say it's yeah, a defeat because it was never a defeat. But like you learn more from like the the not ideal things in life yeah. than you do from. I think, I think I've said this on the podcast before and I can't remember who told me this someone told me this recently I thought it was great they basically said I don't win or lose this woman said I either win or I learn and I thought that's a yeah. really, really good way of looking at it that's 100% the best way to work at it because it's, the world isn't easy and nothing is made for you you know you have to go fight for everything yeah. and the majority of times you're going to get told no or it's going to be deemed a failure but 
if it all, when you keep working out, it all comes together in the end, but all those failures will lead to a victory. So. Yeah, and you'll feel like you'd earned it more. It'll probably feel a lot yeah. more like an achievement. Hello, it's Jamie and Elliot here. I hope you're enjoying today's episode of Just Get A Real Job. I just wanted to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. So please, if you can, share us on social media, tell your friends and family to listen. You can also support us by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate your help. So anything you can do to help us grow this project is very much appreciated. We do appreciate your support as always. And if you would like to contribute or donate to our podcast, we also have a Patreon page where you could donate as little or as much as you wish. You can access this by going to www patreon.com slash just get a real job so thank you very much again for all your support and you can also find a link to the patreon page in the show notes but anyway now back to today's show well you know what's been great from speaking to you so far joe is i think for the listeners because obviously a lot of our listeners are emerging creatives that you'd really you really seem like the sort of person that you'd done you do everything on your own back you get up and just do stuff and you make things happen you don't wait for somebody to knock at the door and go would you like to come and do this you'd sort of forced a lot of things to happen and i think i think that's really important thing to do in this industry yeah i completely agree and like i'm i've been the only like this is what i'm talking about with the five percent of luck because the five percent of luck i have is that i live in a house that's the proximity to dublin is 40 minutes even half an hour on a bus which is means i can do a lot of stuff in dublin in town as well and then where i work i work in nace and it's i live at home so i, I you know pay rent and that anything major whatsoever so i can afford to say i can put the show on i can pay for a short film i can do whatever i have to do but like it's literally my entire being is to get out is work. So eventually I don't be I'm not in the situation I You can earn a living from doing what you love. Yeah. yeah. I'm just kind of building up to make another football reference. Actually, I should have said this for Nace. Ireland, I don't know if it's the same as Scotland. I think we feel like you uh, you wait for Cup or Europa League country, where we're we're here to to just progress. To like learn our trade here and then we just fuck off because there's no It's exactly the same here, Joe. Exactly yeah. the same. That's a great analogy as well. A great yeah. I don't like that actually. Something I've tried to talk about in the podcast, especially with the uh, Scottish guests and stuff, is I'm really determined to not have to fuck off to London to get I mean I, I accept I might have to work there for a bit, but I yeah. really I really would like to be able to make an industry work in Scotland and be able to create things locally because I think that's really important. And I think we should have a growing industry in Scotland and in Ireland. And there's no reason why we shouldn't. Both great cultural hubs of and great because exactly. I was actually speaking with Rebecca again about this because she was saying her frustrations with like the fact you know like you had Chris Pine play who was it Robert the Bruce Robert played? the Bruce yeah exactly we keep we keep making these films and then not giving the main roles to like Scott, local Scottish talent or we give it to the same people and who are very good but like yeah James Cosmo I think it's James Cosmo great actor but he's in every single Scottish film we just give him a he's in it and it's like could we not give someone else his role to get them <laughs> yeah I kind of when you like, I don't know, have you ever done any producing or anything like that? Uh, no, not not producing. I've, I've sort of been involved in short films. I've written some short yeah. films, stuff like that, yeah. No, just to kind of like, whether producing theatre or, or films or whatever, I'm, I kind of look at it from the point of view as you need that star. I do agree, yes. I yeah, do yeah. Agree. And I, my problem is when the supporting cast aren't Irish. Or, yes. or sorry, if, like if, because if there's roles that don't need to be played, by, or you have someone suitable to come in and play that part. Just give it to local stars because that's how you build the, the Absolutely, yeah. Don't ship people in. Now it's different. Like for example, you know you've had films, well, not so much made in your country because they're made in my country. 
that is one best picture. Like Braveheart. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm slightly referencing. But that's, that's, not even that Scottish, one, really. It's not really Scottish at all. It's, an, I mean? it's a Hollywood... No, in fact, that is not a Scottish film. It's a Hollywood film. I wouldn't put that on my Scottish list at all. No, I, 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 I had to review that, obviously. It's coming up. I don't know. Is this going out this week or when is this? Oh, this probably... Well, we're, we're actually recording a lot of episodes ahead of time, Joe, so I don't know. Okay, that's sure. perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. Then my one will be out because uh, it's yeah. out in two weeks of their life. But it's, uh, we covered it with Lee Coffee and the Brave Heart uh, gets covered in that. And so I had to watch it recently enough. And it's it's like a good action film, but not a best picture film. But like, I would have... Like, it did huge things for uh, tourism in Scotland. But yeah, you would also did. imagine, wouldn't that be a shot in the arm for the arts industry to be like, Okay, it's very much like based on Scotland, filmed in Ireland with an Australian lead. Uh, <laughs> but like, what, do you think that they go, oh, there's a lot of people looking at us now. We can make, like, what, what about Rob, what did Rob Roy do? Do you remember that uh, with Liam Neeson? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was, I'd never seen it, but I don't believe no, Neeson. No, I've not seen it either. And, uh, and Tim Rocker nominated for Best Sporting Actor for it. But like, that came with the, I think the same year as Braver. But like, there was a big love-in with Scotland for a little mm-hmm. while. But it seems like you didn't benefit from it all. I we don't. We, maybe- we don't seem to capitalize as a nation on stuff like me and Jonathan, who I talked about, who did the Highlander book. He's he's been writing. He was a journalist for ages. He's really into this film and he knows a lot about Scotland. Like we had a similar conversation, but for whatever reason, we don't tend to capitalize on this. So when Trainspotting and Braveheart came out at a similar time, a couple of years apart. Mm-hmm. There was this huge, like, oh my God, Scotland's finally, like, and it just didn't capitalise on it. We'd had, we, like, the, the best Scottish director, in my opinion, is probably Bill Forsyth, local hero, Gregory's girl. He was great, but even in Scotland, there seemed to be a thing where, like, when he got too big, this is a very Scottish thing, I think. It might be the same in Ireland. Yes, it is. We're, we're, we'll encourage people who do really well. We're like, go on, mate. But then when they get almost too good, we're like, where the fuck do you think you are? Pipe down. Yeah. It's a really yeah, yeah. weird cultural thing, and I don't know why that is. It's the same in Ireland. It's the exact. People hate Bono. People <laughs> hate Bono. It's it's envy. And Bono actually an analogy had an analogy. I think he was on the radio when he said it. But he said in America, if someone's living on a big house on top of a hill in the town, everyone, all those town people look. I want to be like that person one day. Well, if that person's living in Ireland, they go, I want to take him down to our level. Yeah. You know, it's like it's they, help, they help you on the way up, but then when you get too big, they pull you yeah. back down. It's a really it's begud- begudry. It's the worst trait in the first. Maybe it's because our nations have been oppressed in the past. Who knows? But um, maybe, maybe. Perhaps. I mean, not not to compare Scotland to Ireland in terms of oppression. I think that would be a ridiculous statement. I think Ireland well, is way, way, way higher up on that. I'd, I'd, I'd like to think so. You know, uh, <laughs> but you know, we won our independence. Okay. Yeah, Scotland, uh, <laughs> Scotland was very much the vineyard of the empire, and we, I think, we have a very uncomfortable. Uh, relationship admitting that scotland had a big part in it that we don't like to admit so but anyway that's a different <laughs> back to the podcast <laughs> yeah yeah that's history covers yeah we'll touch on your short film style joe which yeah. i've i've seen three of them i've had a chance to watch three so you have you made five comedy short films and they've been seen by like over nearly a million people we just round it up to a million yeah sure yeah no <laughs> I, I i um it's particularly coming out uh coming out some quite well for me that's 150 it's very good Thanks very much on on YouTube, and I think like three hundred thousand on Facebook. Then after that, I I made I made coming out because I, again I'd written this, I'd no idea how to make a short film and don't do anything like that. And something I always wanted to do, well, I wanted to get into filmmaking. I wrote the script and I wrote Our Child, which is murder. What I wrote then in around the same time, but coming out is actually because it's it's about United Liverpool that the fan rivalry, or whatever you want to call it. And um, I actually wrote it about when Louis Van Hal was in charge. And then Mourinho took over in the meantime. But yeah. I, I'd written it and I had it somewhere for about a year. It wasn't even formatted correctly. 
And then when City lost Monaco in the Champions League, yeah. Eamon Dunphy, which is our like top, well, he's retired now, but was like our top sports broadcaster. He actually played for me back in the 70s. He said, I'm a closeted Liverpool fan, is what he said. And I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, he's after <laughs> saying that now. There's going to be a comedy troupe somewhere yeah. that are going to like do something with this. And I think I think mine is better. I was like, I don't even know what they're going to do. I think mine is better. But what they could just roll out something in an afternoon after he said that. So I was like, oh, shit. So like Had to I got people it. together. Yeah, I got cast. I got every, like, one of my best mates. Is that my other best mates? We've been used together. I've known him since he's younger, since he was born. Brian Biddy Dooley, he's, he's helped me with everything. He's a mastermind of a te- technician. Contacted him. Frame of Productions, who I do a lot. I do all bar one of the short films. I do, I do everything with. Gone to them and we filmed in my house. I think on the Wednesday that so I'm doing this, the Thursday I had a cast, and then the Saturday we filmed it or the Friday we filmed it. My younger brother was the sound. He had no idea. He was just holding it up. You know, we just had no idea how to work boom. But like, we just made it work. Yeah. And it took a little longer than I expected. To go on a, a sadder route as well. I, I, I was out of work for six weeks with depression. And the day I went out of work, because I, I left where I was having a whole, there was a whole big thing with a show I was producing that was falling apart. And I was being blamed for stuff I didn't do. And I just couldn't handle it anymore. And I went to the doctor and all this sort of stuff. I had a bit of a breakdown and then left work and I went walking and, and uh, I got a message and off the producer, Richie, and he was like, oh, we actually have the film edited. Do you want to come see us? Like, we, we, we forgot to say it to you. I was like, oh, cool. So I basically just walked straight down in the 30-minute walk and I went in and they showed it to me and I was like, wow, this is actually really good. So, like, on that kind of, like, shit day, I do have a memory of, like, seeing my first it's very funny I, I didn't yeah. know what it was going to be about because I, I knew nothing about it so I just knew the name and I thought oh it could you know it's good. and it's such a, a funny twist especially as a fellow Man United fan I, I, I was yeah. pissing myself laughing and so I, it's <laughs> done it's done very well I don't want to say too much more because I don't want to give away anything because I'm yeah. we'll link all this stuff at the end and I encourage yeah, our thanks. listeners to go and watch it it's been plaguing me for ages killing me I've come to accept it and I feel like you should should just come to accept it as well. What is it, love? I'm... I'm not a Liverpool supporter anymore. You're joking, right? How can you say that? Uh, well, the other the other one was you did a lockdown. You did a film about uh, the what is it? The pain of being a Manchester United fan. Yeah, uh, Man United true. Man yeah. United is true pain. Yeah, yeah. That was absolutely uh, brilliant as well. Ah, thanks very much. Yeah, I got absolutely destroyed on Twitter for doing that because <laughs> what I've learned is like no one's going to promote your work for you. I've no money to promote myself, so I under every single Man United Liverpool post, uh, whether it be the players, the fans, the, the fan channels. I would post somebody and say, I remember this now. I, I, do, I was yeah. like, I'm pretty sure I recognize the name for this. Every time I'd go on a tweet about my United, just you would be at the top, wouldn't you? Yeah. Fair yeah. play, fair play. Yeah. I got so much abuse from it, but somebody even stood up for me as well. And then the odd person would be like, someone messaged me and was like, I am going to come to your house and I'm going to kill you. And I, and I said to him, I was like, well, do you want to come in at the end of the day? So like, I, I can pull after. Or, or I was like, how about you come early? Then if you need to come early, we get a few drinks in, maybe watch a film and just, just really make a full day of it before my ultimate demise. Because people hate, and I was like, I just was honest with everyone. I was like, what, why are you doing this? I was, like, I was like, look guys, I have no money. I have to promote this whatever way I can. I just won't last forever. It's going to be like two weeks and then I'm going to leave it. So 
that's all you have to put up with it for. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, got me a nice amount of views. Well, it's a, it's a good <laughs> film. Well, I actually watched Millennials because you shared it on Instagram. This is, wasn't even for research in our conversation. And I just wanted to say that was also very funny. A totally different type of film, but I really enjoyed that. I love the concept of them like being in this sort of restaurant and like, do you know what I mean? Like, without giving too much away when like yeah. she gets a hug from her dad and stuff. It's just like, oh, it's so funny. That's like the sort of thing I would love to write. So it really chimed with me. Ah, thanks very much. Yeah, no, I wrote that not too long ago before we filmed this. No, I, yeah, no, I think what, what Sean, who plays the main guy in this, check him on Instagram, Sean Burke Show. You probably all know him. He's a, a comedian, an online comedian. He's absolutely hilarious. And he's he's a very good friend of mine. So he, he's based in London. So mm-hmm. I sent him a script and he was like, oh, I really like it. And I was like, do you want to do it? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. So it was all kind of timed around when he was coming home. So we actually, it was a year, the reason I shared an Instagram because year to the day that we filmed this so um we were supposed to film it in january then it got pushed back and to when he was home again and it was actually like a month prior to, to lockdown but we released it during lockdown people were like oh my god how did you film this during lockdown i was like kind of didn't but i'll take whatever i can mm-hmm. that did really well we, i think we got a hundred over a hundred thousand views on, on facebook Amazing. which just always good i'm really really proud of that one uh, how it came about and just it was 30, 13 hours in. We because uh, we went to film it. It's in the townhouse hotel in Nace, and we went in actually the night before my seven bid to set up because all in one room. And there was a first, there was like a first year disco going on, like thirteen year olds. So like we went in and like kind of like twelve o'clock and. We're like, oh, full of kids. So it's like, this doesn't seem right. Two lads in their late, you know. So we're like, we're just gonna go and we're gonna get something to eat, and then we'll come back in. They were gone. We went in. We were there till like two a.m. and we were back in at six a.m. and we were there till about seven o'clock. Seven yeah. o'clock that evening. We got everything done. And I was absolutely delighted the way it turned out. And, uh, it's, it's a it's really really well written film. Again, yeah. we'll share all this stuff in the show notes. And I, please, listeners, go and check out Joe's shorts because they are very good. And I'm not just saying that. Like I messaged you at the time, watching them. Just, yeah, he does, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, well, we talked. We've been speaking for like I think over an hour, but we, I've got a few things to still ask you. I know you got. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Go. No, no, go on. I'm forty minutes. Um, well, we should probably talk about your podcast project, which... Cause oh, that thing, yeah. <laughs> a, a fellow podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> it's called what Joe, It's called Joe Talks Pod, isn't it? Joe, well, that's on Instagram. That, Joe that's Talks your Instagram. Why am I yeah, saying yeah. your Instagram name? No, it's, it's the hunt for the greatest movie. Yeah, you can just talk. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's called um joe talks the one for the greatest movie ever and the reason i call it joe talks is because i'm hoping that if this is successful and breeds success that i can do joe talks something else so i don't have to hold on to the one name clever all the time but yeah well, you know I, I do have a good idea one today but i basically it's what i always had in my mind because I didn't tell anyone else was doing it, I was like, the hunt for great. I just want to look, I had a reason to look at films, and especially films I'd never seen, because mm-hmm. there's so many great films I haven't watched, and it's so diff- It's so easy to kind of sit down and watch a great film that's a comedy, or like, I love it out there, and like, because people, people are like, oh, I want to watch that, but like, how often is people going to go, let's watch Schindler's List? Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's, yeah, and like that, and loads of other films are the same ilk that you wouldn't necessarily want to rewatch, or it's hard to watch for the first time, because of the type of film they are, and I was like, what I, as well as being an artist, you have to find any way to turn anything you're interested in into some way of getting people to look at you. So basically what I did was I, I thought this for ages and the only thing that was putting me off was getting mic and getting and learning how to edit because I was like, I, I don't know if I can do all this sort of stuff. But then when I start doing stuff with All Free United, which is my name, we've mentioned football so much. It's um, okay, I like that. It's never been really mentioned <laughs> on the football, uh, on the podcast before. So yeah, good. it's gonna, yeah. Uh, but I, just, I got involved with True Man, Andrew Payne, I got involved with doing this, working with them, hosting and stuff like that. So I was like, well, look, I'll buy a mic. I'll buy, um, I'll get the editing stuff and all of that. So if the podcast doesn't work out, 
I can use the mic for doing shows with them. You know, it's it it'll have more than just that. It won't be sitting in the corner gathering dust as the, the ever present failure of my podcast that didn't happen. So I was like, it'll be in use. So I was like, okay, so um I didn't really know I was gonna do the podcast, but I knew that I was gonna get people to watch three or four films from consecutive best picture winners and put them against each other as if they were all nominated the same year and decide which is their favorite, rank them from third or fourth and first. And the guests would be people in the industry or just film fans mm-hmm. that are that are able to speak. And basically, that's what happened. And I started with like John Basil Crawford, who's based in England, an, an actor. And I was chatting with him about whatever. He's an Arsenal fan. He can talk about football and uh, slag it off most likely. And uh, I said, good, "Do you want to do this?" Yeah, always good. And I was like, "Do you want to do this?" He was like, "Yeah." And then I was like, "Okay." I want to. I was always told get three in the bag before you release them. So, so you have something to work with. mark that one up. <laughs> oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you didn't even have any recorded when you released it. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, sorry, I got um, Sean, and then I got uh, Talia Gonzalez-Kane, who is an absolutely wonderful performer and writer based on, she's Colombian and of Irish heritage, but she's Canadian and uh, oh, based wow. in Toronto. Then I brought on an actor, Aoife Morrison, who was in My Little True Pain, and then my mate Dave O'Neill is a filmmaker who edited Millennials. Uh, my cousin Pat Byrne, who's a singer-songwriter in Austin, episode five. He's a huge film, film, huge film book. Um, and then my other cousin Paul O'Neill is based in London. Brought him on, so I recorded those six in the back, and then released the first one in the first week of January. And it's people are really responding to it, yeah, which is great. Similar. And it's not just about talking about the film because the fucking thing I get off people is like. Oh, the best film never wins the Oscars, you know. And I was like, I know L- literally me at the start of this. Film <laughs> yeah, when we recorded this interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my impersonation of it. <laughs> but like, I was like, I know that. And the thing is, we discussed that in the show because I we don't just talk about the three films. We, the first thing we talk about is the whoever's I'm, I'm chatting with. What is their favorite film growing up? Like, what was their? Because you can never. If I ask someone now, what's your favorite film? I'm like, oh, this or whatever. But it's kind of like when you're a kid, it's kind of concrete to like one or two films that it's easy, or like they'll be the one to pop out at you because you kind of feel disassociated from them a little bit. So you can like either be embarrassed by them, whether it's a weird one, or you can have fun with it, or whatever. Like it's good to start off point. And then the three films, and then I also asked the people, or four films, did that film deserve to win Best Picture? And I listed the nominees, so we talked about those nominees in the films we've seen. And then we also tear films apart and all like that. And like the reason I chose the Oscars is the Oscars is supposed is supposed to be the pinnacle of filmmaking. It's it's like I, I guess it's like the American awards, like the top American awards, but really it's like the world's yeah, um, it's seen film as festival. That. Yeah. yeah, so like that's why I chose that. And do I think it's the most important thing in the world? No. Do I think it makes sense that actors get awards? No. I really don't <laughs> understand how any of this stuff can happen. Yeah. But it's supposed to be the pinnacle, so that's why I, I chose that. It's going well. So currently, the as of time of recording, the episode being released is American Beauty, Gladiator, and A Beautiful Mind with Paul O'Neill, which is the last episode I recorded in a bubble. And then the next episode I'm recording is Chariots of Fire, Ah. Charts of Fire, Ordinary People, and Kramer vs. Kramer with Nicole That's Conner. a great film. The last one's great. I haven't seen Kramer vs. Kramer. Greg, I've not uh, seen the first two, and I really want to, because Charities of Fire is filmed in Fife. Oh, my God. I hate it. Is it bad? Uh, oh. Oh, it's okay. I won't say I hate it. That's too strong a word. There's films I did hate that I saw. But like Charities of Fire is so dull. It's so mm. pompously English. I could tell. You can get that yeah. vibe from the trailer, yeah. Um, I will say the Scottish guy who actually unfortunately passed away very young. I can't even say it from the top of my head. I can't remember um, his name either. 
it very, very good. Like very good performance. But and he's the only guy, and I'm like, I, I like him. I, I like his story, but like everyone else, I'm like, you're such pompous. Yeah, they filmed the the yes. end scene, the famous iconic scene on the beach was filmed in yeah. Saint, Saint Andrews. That's the only thing I know about that film. It's a great section. It's great, but like I had did not give a shit about it. It's about running. Mm. I'm like who cares about running? You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, football. <laughs> football, football, football. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the pod, and um, I I hope to do more like. Because obviously what will happen now is I'm going to have three films from each decade because that's why I do two that are three sec- three brackets, a bracket of three, and one that's a bracket of four. So eventually I'll get like the three best winners from each bracket will go in for the best film of each decade. Then oh, eventually wow. I'll put, I'll put the, the decades against each other. That's it. So I'll I'll have like the 2020s to 2010s and 2000s against each other, cool. find the best film of the 21st century, and then like I'll do three from the other ones. And then, uh, then we'll find, find out that. That's cool. Well, again, listeners, go and check out Joe's podcast. We'll link that under the podcast as well. We have been speaking for ages, but I'm, I mean, I'm not complaining at all. Um, we're probably going to have to get you back on again in the future, Joe, because I feel like we've not covered everything we're wanting to. Yeah, please do. <laughs> and so, you're just so easy to talk to. I genuinely like it's. It's great to just like we're going in so many tangents, but that is a good thing, I think. Just get a real well, Joe, I should try and wrap the podcast up soon because I know you've got another Aww, I have two, I last, do, yeah. two. Well, just two last questions. So we ask everyone that comes on, what's the worst part-time job or the worst job you've had to work to support your art being? You don't have to name them, don't worry. You don't have to name the company. Oh, no, I'll name them. I'll name them. <laughs> I feel like you um, won't hold back. <laughs> no, I won't hold back whatsoever. Um, what's the worst one? If you're going for like physical i guess i worked in building sites in toronto for a summer it was just a lot of like cleaning up shit like literal shit at one point when a, a toilet exploded in a flood and i had to, to clean that up um and you know we have to deal with aerosols as well and bullies and stuff like that and i, I wasn't as confident in myself to like rip them a new one and have them to fuck themselves so I, I wanted, that was difficult see a lot of the jobs i worked in i kind of made my own and i, I kind of did what i wanted because i worked in a waxy gym in Dublin where I was an actor which I wasn't an actor and uh, we had to go out and give out uh, discount cards where we used to just go to the cinema and play pool and, and get paid to do it so like and we did that for two years and that was great until I left worked in worked in shop assistants I obviously work in the hospital I do now um, there was no job really that was like I guess the first job I worked in when I was 16 I worked in Spire literally down the road for me and the owner was an absolute he was actually had to pay out in court for for basically being sexually inappropriate with one of the one of the cashiers um, and she got a couple of money out of fair play shame the nonsense in prison he used to just say horrible things and he used to bully and like do bad imitations of me and I'm like then I was like oh my god so, you know this, I, I'm, I'm an arsehole then I was like this guy's in his 40s and he's bullying me he's got kids do you know so basically every job I've ever worked outside of the arts has been a big bathtub full of balls but uh, but you tend to just I tend to just try and have a laugh wherever I am anyway. Exactly. Guess that's the best way. Um, worst job? Well, I feel like I should withhold this job because I'm going to be doing. This is the first thing people yeah. first thing people will hear this. But uh, we're going to be doing a sort of special episode in a few in a couple of months' time where I'm going to be on my own podcast. So Ooh. I got to sort of yeah, we have got a few things in the works for that. Um, which, are you going to are you going to interview yourself? You no, no, we're going to get someone. Some um, Rebecca actually. Is, oh, okay. It's going to be. So that's an exclusive there for podcast listeners. Um, oh my, so yeah. we've got something in the works for that. I was going to say, if it was you, it would just be vocal masturbation. Yeah, it'd just be like Blind Boys podcast where it's just him doing it himself, which I could <laughs> yeah. not do. I could not do. You have to put a bag over your head first and then it might work. Yeah, out. just one me on with a bag over my head, talking to myself without a bag over my head or something. <laughs> uh, work. 
Well, Joe, it's been an absolute joy speaking to you. I've, I've really enjoyed myself. It's been a very, very fun start to Thursday morning. Ah, but so much. we sort of end the podcast by asking our guests, do you, what advice would you give to anyone who maybe wants to get into the creative industries, more, maybe more particularly as an actor, a writer, a director, or a podcaster, because you've got such a big list of, of things you've done? Yeah, master. What's a Jack of all trades, my master of none. Um, <laughs> the only advice I can give you is just don't be afraid of anyone. If it's right and you're good, it most likely is right. If you're not great, you know, it just follow your own instincts because people tend to, like, you might have a clear idea in your head of what you're trying to do, and people mightn't get that until you actually do it. And then they're like, oh, that's what you're going for. So, like, don't, people are great at advice, but I think the, the majority of people go to get advice off people to hear what they're doing is right. Yeah, they want to hear and, what they want to hear almost. Yeah, like, there's very rarely that. I get advice from someone that like isn't just please just say what I'm doing is a good idea. That's all I want to hear. And in some regards, that's fine. But just follow your own instincts, follow your gut. Don't be swayed by anyone because not everyone has your best interest in heart. Not everyone has your mind. And the most important thing you have is your own creativity and your mind. So if you believe in what you're doing is right, then just do it. Um, it's going to be scary. It's going to be uh, dangerous in different ways. But if you believe in yourself, um, do it because there's not anyone else that can believe in you as much as you can yourself. But if you don't, then no one will. That's great advice, Joe. Spot on. Yeah. Well, you've been, you've had a lot of things to say. As I say, we'll definitely have to get you back on because we've not covered yeah. a lot of things. Because you, You're just so good at talking. You, you, like the, you're like the most, you've taken me more tangents than any guest has so far, Joe. I, I literally, this is how my mind works. I cannot hold on to one thing. For two, if I just get like that, I have to just say it or else it will plague me for ages. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you very much for your time, Joe. Appreciate Thanks, Jamie. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Just Get a Real Job. I would like to thank Joe once again for chatting to us. I honestly really, really enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember, if you liked what Joe had to say, check the links below the podcast. Go and listen to Joe's podcast. My episode one will be coming out at some point in a few weeks' time, so watch out for that as well. Go and watch Joe's short films, some really interesting shorts he's made. They're all, we've linked all them below the podcast as well on YouTube. Remember as well, if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to rate us on Apple Podcasts if you can. Share on social media. If you can afford to, please consider donating to our Patreon page because that goes really far and it'd be really big help. So if you can afford to donate anything to that, that would mean a lot. Anyway, have a lovely week, listeners, and we'll be back again next Tuesday for another episode of Just Get A Real Job. Just get a real job.